It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today's podcast, we discuss developing offensive line and developing your career. And joining me to discuss those things, 26-year offensive line coach, the college level, John Regan. John, it's great to have you here today. I appreciate being here. It's great to, to help out and to talk ball again. Well, John, you've, you've uh, spent your time at some really good places here as you developed as a coach. But going back to the beginning for you, what was it that uh, – spurred you on to to become a football coach and to take on this career right you know I think the first thing if I'm being honest is as I played football from from 1975 until 1993 as I was graduating college at Syracuse I don't think that I had any desire to coach football I really thought I was going to go on to the academic world and um, I actually stayed on at Syracuse as an academic graduate assistant and one thing led to another, and I found myself spending some time with with football and um, helping them with some transitions with some new coaches and with some new players. And I think probably halfway through that fall season, I realized that I could actually make a dollar or two, um, and, and they would pay me to do something I loved. And so I decided I was going to coach football. I decided I'd go home and tell my parents that. And before I did, I had to sit down with Coach DeLeon, who was my offensive line coach and obviously a great mentor and coach, and Coach Pasqualoni, who was the head coach at the time, and then even Coach Mack, Coach McPherson, um, who was the head coach that recruited me. And all three of them tried to talk me out of coaching first uh, and then uh, uh, to make sure I wanted to do it, in all honesty. And, and I told my parents I thought they were going to kill me because uh, I was headed in a different direction with school. And um, but never looked back. And I, and I really do believe that it was the um, influence that a, a lot of coaches along the way, uh, I'd be remiss not to mention my high school coach, John Sodergren, who um, was a great mentor. And, um, you know, and, but those guys at, at, at college that, you know, showed me the effect that they can have on young men and, and help them get uh, to places they can't take themselves. And, and ultimately I think that's what, what drove me into coaching uh, and what kept me in coaching. You know, I've really enjoyed uh, the development of, of young men, of help, of helping families uh, make decisions about where to go to school and, and what uh, they want to study and, and seeing those young men uh, maybe change the trajectory of their entire family uh, by the decisions that they made. 
And so um, it, it's been a very, very rewarding career to this point. John, when you look back, especially, you know, the, the early years in your career, uh, kind of being able to learn uh, multiple sides of the ball, different positions, um, when you look at that time in, in your development as a coach, uh, what part did it, did it play in, in you really learning the game and having to, uh, you know, learn different positions almost year by year uh, for a while there till you really settled in on the offensive line? Sure. You know, I would, I would actually take it back even further and, and say that um, probably playing in high school introduced me to the probably, I, I guess, the teaching, the, the learning side of the sport um, where um, we, uh, we were in a wishbone offense. And so I wanted, you know, my, our quarterback was the head coach's son and he lived down the street. He was one of my good friends and I wanted to understand how he was making reads. And I wanted to know why my splits mattered when I had a, you know, when there was a yardstick out there between me and uh, the, the center or the t- or me and the tackle or, uh, and, and having to play different positions, the why, 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 um, you know, kind of got peaked because of the style of offense we were running. And so, um, you know, it, it goes back to that, uh, j- just wanting to know the why. Um, and, and then you take it into college when it was drilled in by Coach DeLeon, um, to understand because of the, the way we ran our offense, it was important to understand why we were running certain plays. Uh, why would we check to this from that? Um, why in protection when it was too high, did we fan one side and sort the other, you, th- those kinds of things. And so, um, you know, that, that why uh, has always stuck with me. Um, and, and what it really forced me to do is, uh, is kind of develop a, um, a philosophy and, 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 how I wanted to coach. Uh, and, I, and I think that that is a really important piece for coaches, um, for all of us in life, um, but, but specifically for coaches. Cause I think it's, it's very often it's easy to watch on TV and, and hear announcers talk about how this is the next young, brilliant coach. And so I'm going to emulate that guy. Um, but understanding why you're emulating that guy, uh, you know, I, I heard it said, and I've talked about, uh, the importance of, of developing that philosophy um, because it, in, for any individual's character or for any team's culture, um, there's going to be development. There's going to be a development of your personal character and you can either um, make the decisions uh, as, and, and that lead to a certain character um, or you can let it happen. Uh, the same thing with a team. You can, your, your culture is going to develop. You can either, lead the way um, on developing that culture within your program, or it's going to happen um, on its own. And, and I think that it's really important to develop that philosophy early and then to keep revisiting it. Uh, and, and, and as you go back, the, the guys that were around that, the coaches that um, uh, at that point in time, I thought were great coaches um, helped me develop that. Now you asked about coaching different positions, certainly for me, um, it, it, again, going back to the why, right? Uh, you know, playing offensive line from the time I start first playing started football in Montgomery, Alabama, and it was uh, no weight limit football. But if you were over a certain weight, you got to wear that big black R on your helmet. You know, you couldn't. Uh, you, you were restricted. You couldn't carry the ball. You couldn't catch the ball. Um, you know, and so 
Um, you know, I'd played offensive line the whole way through and I'd learned the techniques to play offensive line and certainly in high school, obviously playing both ways, but you, you get your focus on one, right? And um, when I was, I guess in 97, I was at Penn in 98, I was uh, coaching at, at Army as a restricted earnings coach. Um, at least that was a term used at the time. And I had the opportunity to go interview for a job at uh, University of Akron. And I got hired as a defensive line. Well, I was offered the job as a defensive line coach. I talked to Coach Sutton and asked him what he thought about it. Um, and, uh, and Coach said, you know, it may be the best thing you ever do if you want to continue to coach offensive line. Um, one, it can't hurt you to learn a different position. But two, learning the position that directly competes with the one that you'd like to coach can only make you a better coach. And, um, you know, it really clicked. And it probably was one of the best things I did for my career. From there, I was lucky enough to go on to – to Temple as a defensive line coach and uh, was able to coach a couple NFL guys um, while I was there. And, and they helped me figure out how they beat offensive linemen with certain techniques and things. And so um, it, it really, it really helped me out um, in, in that development, certainly in my professional, uh, in, in my jobs, but also in my professional de- development, just the personal development that to, to understand important to, um, see things from more than one perspective, which I think as coaches, we often do, you know, I know as a coordinator, I always felt like I had the chalk glass and I had all the answers, but, uh, those guys on the other side are game planning too. So, um, that reminder is a, a very positive thing, I think. So from the, the teaching perspective, I know when you look at, uh, offensive line play that, for you, it's not necessarily about focusing on that scheme first and being a schemer that it really is about teaching, that you have to have understanding. You have to convey that understanding and the way you, you teach all this stuff uh, in order for your players to execute. So when you take that template, you talk about your philosophy, now you layer in your teaching, you know, the subject matter might change a little bit as you move around to different positions, but I think you would agree with this, that if you have those two parts, a coaching philosophy and your teaching methods that you're going to be able to reach whatever players and whatever position group you have, how important has that been for you? And what kinds of things do you do to make sure that uh, you keep the teaching at the forefront? Yeah, you know, I think that's a great question, Keith. I really do. I, one of the things I'll say is that um, one of the things I've tried to do through the years is I'll use a term that everybody uses, right? Professional development, um, but not professional development just in going and visiting other places and trying to learn new things um, or seeing it done a different way. Those things are definitely helpful, and I've tried to do those things every year. But also the professional development of, um, you know, uh, of, of a self-check in all honesty, right? I mean, as um, as an offense and a defense as a program, every year at the end of the year, you run your self-scout. People do it all year long, but just talk about the end of the year. You run the self-scout and you look at it and you say, okay, what am I, what am I doing? Where do I have tendencies? What are we good at? What are we not good at? Well, I, I've tried to do the same thing um, for my own personal coaching and personal development and look at that every single year. Um, I, I think that, you know, when you, especially in an offensive line room, but, but anywhere, right? every year the dynamic of the room is different. Um, you know, in an O-line room, you're going to have 12 to 16 guys, probably maybe more in some with walk-ons, maybe less in others, um, if, if they're not dealing with the same kinds of numbers. 
but you've got that many personalities and you've got to be able to reach each of those personalities. Um, you know, there can be the mentality that they got to adapt to me, but you know, I found that it's, it's a lot easier if I adapt to them because I'm the one with the experience adapting, um, you know, now at 49, not, not the 17 year old that's done things one way their entire life and don't know any better. Now you're going to teach them to, but it's an easier adaptation for me. And I, and I think that is important, but I also think, even though the dynamics are changing every year, what players, what 16, 17 to 22, 23 year olds are looking for. Um, and, and, and I think it's the same true in, in high school um, is a consistency um, because if they know what the expectations are, because you haven't changed your base philosophy, if they know the expectations, they know how to meet or exceed those expectations. Um, and so that combination of, of um, looking at who I am, am I doing things the way one, the head coach needs them done, um, and two, within the parameters that I'm comfortable doing them, uh, and and then three, is it meeting the needs of the guys in the room um, has been a year in year out thing that I think is important, um, and 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 it's not like it takes you know seven months to get that done. You don't need the whole off season. It's just it, sometimes it's hey we had a great year, kids are happy, um, nobody felt like they were left behind. It was a it was a good group all right, we're, we're probably doing things the right way. Or, okay, so-and-so didn't play up to the level of expectation. Uh, so-and-so had these issues in the room. We need to address these and figure those things out. So, Coach, when, when you look at taking this to the field, uh, really, it's about how you're going to teach it there, right? Your individual period, the drills you're going to use. And I think there's two aspects to this. Number one, that the drills need to be directly applicable to what's going to happen in the game. If you're working on drills that don't translate, it's probably not a good drill. But number two, that your players can carry out those techniques. And, you know, I've started, you mentioned, you know, the off-season study, and and, uh, and I still do that every off-season. I look at other people's stuff if I haven't been directly involved with a team as, as this past year uh, and, and try to figure out, you know, how can I learn better about this game. And so I've, I've been on this kick lately about, you know, we all talk about the systems we have and the techniques we have in, in, you know, the series I've been working on uh, that I put actually uh, yesterday on the podcast and I got wrote a, a long article on it too, is, is fitting your personnel to the different schemes and techniques and assignments that you ask them to do. So as an example, when you've had these guys, you take some of those thick, stout guys, great hips, they can come off the ball and they're really good, kind of more straight ahead. But you know, to ask that guy maybe to reach somebody, he might not uh, be the perfect guy for some of those schemes. So in marrying those things up, you know, so that the drills maybe develop further, the, you know, what they have, but also that they're they're capable of doing these things because you'll see all kinds of crazy drills, you know. Uh, it, I think the receivers are, are, are probably the most guilty of the, the crazy stuff they come up with, but I'm sure you see it with the offensive line too. Um, that what is this working and can my guys do that? How do you go about making sure that, you take that teaching, that developing different learning styles, now developing the different skill sets and body types and making sure it all fits together out on the field. How do you t- translate it to that part? Yeah, I, I think it's a, that, that is a great question. I think it's a piece that um, coaches are constantly trying to, to figure out. Um, and, and the first thing I'll, I'll approach is that I think there's a difference, and it's not a hierarchy. It's just a difference between a trainer and a coach. Um, you know, a, a trainer is going to train specific skills and, um, and, and is training your athletic ability within 
maybe certain parameters. And so a lot of things you see on the internet are these guys that are training guys and training to have more athletic ability within the parameters of being an offensive lineman or within parameters of being a receiver. And I think that's kind of what you're referring to with some of the things you see online. Um, and, and I think those are fun and important. Um, I, I think as soon as you take it into the world of coaching um, and take it into the world of your team, and then, as you said, take it into the, into the realm of scheme um, that's being run, there, there are two kind of things that I've always tried to um, keep in the forefront for me, whether it was as a coordinator, um, coaching any other position, or coaching the offensive line. And that's, one, does it make sense to me? Do I understand it? Okay. And, and then, two, um, the, the reality of when I was a player, could I have done this? I, I use that question um, to answer it. Now, first, I'm going to say that if, it, if that was the only characteristic as a player, could I have done it? I'd probably be coaching nothing because I wasn't a great player. So I'll put that out there first. But um, I, I do think that um, whether it would make sense to me and I would have the ability to have done it as a player um, in my own mind is it, something I always think about. Um, I will use, you know, certain footwork on the offensive line as an example. Uh, if I am coaching a, um, a wishbone style offense or a, a read option offense, um, I'm probably going to have an offensive line that is going to need weight going forward. Um, it's going to be in a heavier than a balanced stance. Um, and, and so even though I may see the greatest drills for coming off the ball, maybe they don't make sense to me in a spread offense, um, vice versa. Uh, there may be a lot of great bucket step, deep zone steps that make perfect sense um, for uh, zone plays in, in a spread offense that wouldn't necessarily fit uh, if you're running a downhill uh, inside beer deal. So, so one, does it make sense? Okay. And then the second piece would be, um, could I have done this? You know, I, I, I tell my players all the time, I'll never ask you to do something that I can't do. Um, and, and so I would say that, and they would try to put me through one of my own drills that I couldn't do. And so I had to always go back and say, okay, I'll never ask you to do something that I don't think I could have done when I was playing. Um, and, and the reason for that is that I think there's a lot of things, um, that make sense to us in black and white and in thought, but in practicality, um, the players aren't ready to do that. And sometimes it's because it, it doesn't make sense in reality. And sometimes it's just that they're not progressed to that point yet. Um, you know, uh, that's why there's evolution of lots of things, right? Or evolution or maybe um, progression and development, a better word. You know, I, I think when, um, you know, if, if you had said we're going to put a man on the moon 200 years ago, it, there's no chance. It's not practical. It's not real, but yet it's possible. Why? Because there's progress. Well, I think there's sometimes that we ask, a freshman to do something we have already coached a senior for four years to do that doesn't make sense. And so there's got to be a progress to that learning. Um, and, and that's the reminder each year for me in college football that I got to make sure that it makes sense um, to me. And then that it's something that I would, wouldn't ask them to do that that's not possible to do because that's, that's unfair to me. And it, it, it's like a teacher who's testing you on chapter eight when all you've studied is chapters one through five. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. No, Keith, for I think sure. That's what I, was, I hope it does. Yeah. So you know, stepping back to that time where you were an offensive coordinator, and you know, we've become we talk about it all the time—a team system. You know, 
of how we do things, etc. I, I think I think systems are great. I think you have to have a system uh, of how you do things, but I also think that kind of needs to have some flexibility and kind of live on a continuum of of uh, you know some of those things you might do because you know as much as we try to make sure we recruit to what we run, we're still going to end up with some different skill sets and kids are going to develop differently, et cetera. Uh, for you, how did you approach, especially, you know, this time of year, going back through and, and looking at what you guys did, approach uh, the direction of that next team? Because we, you know, football, we have turnover every sure. year, right? But that next team right. and what they're going to be able to do and the, the strengths you're going to build uh, around it, you know, especially in terms of, of your O-line. Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. Honestly, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I was always asking the why, and that's kind of what piqued my curiosity and uh, the ability to co- the interest in coaching both sides of the ball. And it's kind of what's driven me to learn each year is, is, is to know the why. And I think just as important as asking the why not to. And so I think every year, you know, as a coordinator, you, you look yourself scout, you say, okay, we were really, really good at these things. Okay, wh- why were we really good at it? And answering those questions. Um, and then the next year on the wall, really good at it. Make sure we still do them that way. Um, make sure we still coach in the same way. I think too often we think, okay, well, our base play and our offense, we've coached that a thousand times. Um, you may not need to run it as much. You may have it banked a little bit more, but you still need to coach it the same way um, because that's why you were good at it, right? Um, at the same time, I think you have to ask the question, why not? Um, you know, and, and the why not could be, Hey, you guys don't run outside zone. Why don't it, it wasn't in your, and the answer? Is, it's not in our system. Well, why not? Okay, well let's look at that. Why isn't it in our system? Uh, what? Why? Or you didn't run outside zone well. So why not? Why didn't you run it well? Well, was it the personnel? Was it the way I was coaching uh, aiming points? Um, was it O line and the running back weren't on the same uh, tracks with the sh- shoulders on the same angles? Um, you know, and, and, and figuring those things out. And I think you do the same thing as you mentioned with personnel okay we'd like to be a um, run rpo um, team getting the drop back pass when we have to but like to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands because i that's what i always wanted to do since i was in the line by nature um, so as a coordinator that's what i wanted to do do we have the personnel that fits that yeah we do uh we have one you know when we were at uh, when i was at Penn, um you know, justin watson who just won a super bowl with Tampa Bay bucks had set he set almost every record receiving um, at the University of Pennsylvania. And, you know, we moved him all over the field, and we actually became a field and boundary receiver. So I always knew where he was um, without having to call formation. I knew that Justin was going to be into the boundary. Um, so if the team wanted to go one-on-one, okay, they're going to go one-on-one into the boundary. Well, after Justin graduates, do you have that next receiver that you feel is like that, or do you need to adjust um, that? And and I think um, – you know, I, I, I've never, maybe it's the number of different systems I've worked in. Um, maybe it's my curiosity by nature, but I've never been a guy who I felt like um, was going to live and die in a system. And I know there are guys that have, and most of them, and a lot of them just flourish. But I do think just like, um, you know, NASA developed a program that put a man on the moon and we've all developed players that have gone on and become better players. Um, we also have to adapt and, and, and grow as coaches. And, and sometimes that means getting out of our comfort zone and, 
and, and learning new things and, and adapting to the personnel that we have, as well as recruiting personnel to what we want to do. In in your approach to learning new things, and I know this has changed for us drastically in the last year, you know, when, when you identified something, what was your approach to, uh, to learning more and, and getting to where you needed to be as a coach so that you're ultimately your players were going to be put in a successful position? Yeah, I guess I've, I've probably Keith had a lot of different approaches to that. Um, you know, as a young coach, um, back when you were still able to go to clinics in, in person and things like that, um, I went to as many clinics as I could go to, um, partially to meet people, partially just to listen, um, because I, I only knew, you know, I, I knew uh, the way I did things in um, YMCA football in Alabama. I was too big. I couldn't play in, in uh, Little League football and moved upstate New York. So I knew um, after YMCA football, I knew high school football at Bethlehem Central High School, and I knew college football at Syracuse, and that's it. Well, I'm, I'm also not naive enough to think that I know it all at that point in time. So, um, you know, I, that, that was one way. You know, when I, I just went to clinics. I met people and just talked ball and, and immerse yourself in it, right? If somebody's going to go, uh, there's a reason that a Spanish major probably goes to Spain or to a Hispanic country, a Spanish-speaking country, I should say, um, for a semester to, to live in it. Because once you ingrain yourself in the culture, it's easier to learn. Um, I, I felt that way about football for me. Um, I also will tell you that I, I'm a guy, I, I, people learn different, a ton of different ways, right? So I'm a guy, I actually learn just as well from um, reading and, and thinking about things as I do from seeing them. And so I was a book guy. You know, I wanted to read guys' philosophies. I have, uh, I can't even tell you, I just was putting some stuff together in some boxes and or pulling stuff out of boxes, really what I was doing. And I found some old playbook books um, and that, I, that I had as a, you know, as a young coach that I've gone back to at different times. Um, you know, but I think the, the thing I, I've tried to do every year is reestablish that hunger. Um, I, I, the piece that I think um, often gets lost in a, in a college football um, world is you go from a season to postseason evaluation and recruiting into a spring season, into winter workouts, into a spring season. And from a spring season, you get into now the crazy camp season. And then from camp season, you have time off. And so where in there do you, um, do you really force yourself to do some professional development? And so I've always tried to find a way to get that done. Um, if I've been in control of it, I've tried to you know, set it for everybody. Um, but, I, but I've also said, when I wasn't in control, okay, I'm going to do these things at night or I'm going to do these things online or I'm going to go on a weekend and go visit somebody. Um, but, but I think it's important to uh, constantly be learning um, as a coach, no different than you would in any other profession. Looking at the other aspect of, especially being a college coach, uh, the recruiting side, right? There's a ton of things to stay on top of in, in recruiting now. And it seems that dynamics of that change uh, every year, you know, something new to the mix, whether it's the, the, the portal or the transfer rules, et cetera. Uh, for you, how was it, uh, how are you able to, to stay on top of that side of things with the recruiting? Yeah, I think you just work on it, honestly. Um, it, recruiting is, it, it's, it's truly year round. There are plenty of colleges now that have full personnel departments and the coaches are only involved once players are um, identified and, 
and um, and, and have an interest, uh, then the coaches get involved. But the, the majority of the programs, the coaches are involved in the entire process of it. Um, I, I think, it again, just like it is with football, you, you've got to make the decision that you want to stay on top of it. Uh, that you, if, if you're going to be really good at anything, you've got to know the rules by which the game is played. And uh, I use the term game, you know, obviously hypothetically or uh, figuratively uh, because it's, it's a profession for many. So I I don't want to insult anybody, but you've got to know by uh, what guidelines and principles you have to follow. And and if if you're losing track of that, it's just, it's, um, you know, you're going to fall behind. You, You may not be doing something that you could be doing, or you may be doing something that you're not allowed to do. Um, and so I, I think it's really important to, to, to fight to stay on top of that. The information's out there. Um, you know, it's amazing how many coaches have been around that uh, they can go and, and find seven different ways to tell you how you how to teach the footwork for inside zone. But if you ask them, hey, what, what is the um, – when, when can we start calling juniors in high school? You know, they can't figure out how to figure that out. <laughs> You know, and I say it laughingly, but it, it really is what do you want to be good at, right? And, and so um, I think it's important, and, and, and it really has um, become very consuming in college football, um, has driven a lot of coaches probably out of it because of, of the level and the time commitment that it takes um, to, to stay involved, especially at, at that Power 5 level um, where it's, it's as competitive as it can be in all aspects, and including the recruiting side of things. Um, but, but I do think you have to, you, you got to work at it. You got to find those references. You got to find somebody you trust that's going to help you with it. Um, you know, I think one of the things if, if guys are looking at the profession and wondering, Hey, how do I, um, how do I decide on a job? I mean, look at places that have the support in place, um, because that's going to be a, a very integral part of, um, how successful the program is. And so it's, it's not just having, the, the, the people or the structure, or I shouldn't say it's not just having the structure, it's having the right people in that structure. And so uh, those are all things that I think are important uh, in, the, in the process right now in college football. Coach, you spent 26 years at the Division One level, and um, you know that's an accomplishment in and of itself. It is a, a grind at that level in, in you know, being able to handle the recruiting, develop yourself professionally, do all you need to do to develop your players, et cetera, as, as you've mentioned. Uh, for you, what are what were the keys to being able to stay at that high of a level professionally throughout your career? Um, luck. <laughs> and, and I will say that, and I mean that, I mean, I, I say it jokingly, but I, I know that that's, that's part of it. You know, um, I, I think to a degree you can, um, help yourself with some good decisions and that's you know being around um, good people and good programs I think goes a long way to um, allowing that to happen allowing 26 years to happen um, I think working at it you know you, you work at you, you the thing I look at is that there's only certain things you can control and so I'm going to do my best to maximize the things that I can control and hopefully the things I can't control will have minimal act you know, impact on my, on my future, uh, on my success. And so, um, you know, I, I think those decisions about who, who you're around are really important. Um, there are a lot of things that they look very, very glamorous and they may be perfect fits. 
uh, for a lot of people. But if it's not the right fit for you, it may not be the right job. You know, and I think that's important for, for guys to look at if you want to uh, continue um, and, and stay employed um, as things go. And then I think working at it, I mean, you know, truly um, doing the best job I could possibly do each day and, and really not worrying about, um, when I say worry, I mean that in its definition sense, not worrying about the outcome. Um, focused on uh, creating the, the right behaviors, the, the right performance out of my players. And if I'm doing that and I'm recruiting and doing things as well as I can, um, you know, th- then things are probably going to work out. And the last piece I'll say, and it goes back probably to developing a philosophy, um, but that's being true to yourself. So that, you know, when you're, when you're being true to who you are as a coach, um, you know, you're going to find yourself right where you should be, whether that's at the um, staying at the level that you're at, whether that's changing levels, uh, whether that's just changing jobs, but staying true to yourself makes you very, very comfortable um, regardless of the decisions that you make. Um, I, you know, fortune, I don't know if it was fortune of staying in, in, in Division One for 26 years. Um, it's what I wanted to do. Uh, I was able to stay true to who I was, um, I, I've been able to stay true to who I am through that process. And so, um, I, I think those things are, are, it, it doesn't happen purely by luck, right? Even though I started with that, it happens because you work at it, you stay true to yourself, to yourself. Um, and, and for the most part, uh, cards play out the way that, uh, that they should play out. Coach, you've shared uh, some great stuff with us here today. The, the final question I always like to ask is you look at all you do as a coach uh, on and off the field with your players, recruiting, all those things. What's for you, what is the one thing that really gives your guys the winning edge? You know, I think the, the winning edge is kind of one of those terms that, that we all use. And none of us really know exactly what that winning edge is, right? But um, what I will tell you is what I hope is when my players step out on the field, number one, they know that I love them. Um, number two, they know that they're prepared. And number three, they know that if they go out and play as hard as they can with the preparation that they've been through, they're going to be successful. Um, and, and I think what all of that hopefully develops um, is a confidence, a confidence to go out on the field and say, listen, I, I'm going to go out, I'm going to play as well as I can play, and um, I'm going to prove you know, there's this, this fine line, right, between arrogance and confidence. Arrogance is, hey, I'm the best out there, and I don't have to prove anything. And confidence is, hey, I'm the best out there, and I'll prove it on every single play. And, you know, hopefully all of that gives them the confidence to go out and, and do that and give them the edge that they need, um, you know, and, and, and stay focused on that one-on-one battle so that as they come off the field, um, they can look up, look up, they can look within themselves, they can look in the mirror and say, hey, I'm proud of what I did today. Coach, for our listeners out there, what's the best way to connect with you? Um, I will tell you probably the best way right now is via email. Um, and my email is uh, J, D as in David, Reagan, R-E-A-G-A-N, 75 at gmail.com. So jdreagan um, at gmail, excuse me, jdreagan75 at gmail.com. And uh, happy uh, please, uh, if you do reach out, just reference the podcast um, and, and happy to answer any questions or happy to make the contact. Uh, feel free to hit me up on 
uh, Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn as well. Um, but direct contact that way and, uh, you know, look forward to, to, to future conversations. Yeah, Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time. You and I have been able to chat a couple times since I, I met you at Lawrence First and Goal Clinic, but um, we will have coaches uh, talk up on CoachTube as well. We had to uh, re-record it, just had some issues that day on the technical side, um, but we'll get that out there for you as well. And, Coach, uh, always great to talk ball with you and appreciate you taking the time here on the podcast. No, thank you, and I uh, look forward to future conversations. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five-star for it. Right? If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.